You're listening to Panels of Blood, part of SplatterPictures.net. Welcome to Panels of Blood, the podcast where I read you horror comics from all eras. I am your horror host, now and forever, Wes, Dead Air Nipe. First up, I'd like to thank Rick Hunter for the use of our intro and outro music, and also Chris Begarn for all the art that he provides. If you're just joining us, we are on issue two of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, All through the month of October, we are going to be spending time with Sabrina the Teenage Witch in this very satanic rendition of the character. I thought it was appropriate because her birthday is October 31st. This is rounding off our Archie Horror imprint, Archie Palooza, that we've been doing for a little bit. So if you guys are interested with the zombie story, Afterlife with Archie, there's a couple of episodes before this in which you can read the entire thing. And now, without further ado, I give you... Issue 2 of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Story by Roberto Aguirre Sakaza. Art, Robert Hack. Letters, Jack Morelli. Publisher, John Goldwater. Chapter 2, The Secret History of Madame Satan. Madame Satan, by the way, is a character that belongs in the Archie universe only in so much that she made her first appearance in Pep Comics, which was where Archie made his first appearance. And back in the day, this kind of was a romance Satan horror story about a woman charming men, kissing them, killing them. And they pulled this character out of the mothballs for this Archie horror imprint. I'm really into it. If you listen to our previous issue, this was the nude woman that emerged the forest after the 1960s version of Betty and Veronica, who are witches, summoned this strange, dark entity. Here we go. Establishing shot. A long, vertical, thin panel, or underneath a body of water. The water's black. We see white bubbles floating about. Fish swimming around. Below, deep in the seaweed and muck, and fish bones is Madame Satan herself. She's still without a face. Both eyes seems to be its own individual, fetal, skeletal head. No lips. Yet she has lipstick. She reaches out and catches a fish. The caption. She stayed underwater for a long time. A year. Perhaps more. She didn't need to breathe. There was plenty of food. And after the fires of Gianna... She welcomed the cool dark of the riverbed. We now see Madame Satan emerging from the water, still nude. The caption. When she emerged under a half moon, she set about her business. There was a sleepaway camp for mortal children in the woods, not far from the water. She walked through one of its cabins where the young girls slept in cots, one after the other, like dresses on a rack. That is indeed true. Madame Satan first standing in front of the sleepaway camp. A humble collection of log cabins, 
Now, in one of the cabin's interiors, a row of three young ladies sleep peacefully as she sings. When I was just a little girl, I asked my mother, what will I be? Will I be pretty? Will I be rich? The captions. She thought, whichever one wakes up at the sound of my voice, but none of them did. So, she picked the prettiest one. She's kneeling down over a sleeping, young, blonde girl and stole her face. The flesh felt tight on her muscles and sinews, but the pain was tolerable. We see now Madame Satan looking in the mirror, her hand running down her cheek. She's beautiful. Her hair still muddy, two thick shocks of white just at the front of her hair after Gianna. All pain was tolerable. Also, she didn't imagine herself smiling much in the future. As Madame Satan walks away from the cabin, one person shouts from behind her, Jessica! Oh my God, what's happened to Jessica's face? Caption. Well, maybe a little. Madame Satan now, swaddled in a blanket, walks along the side of the road. We see an oncoming truck, 18-wheeler, red cabin. Caption. She stepped out of the woods onto the road and waited for a truck to come by. It was a busy highway. She didn't have to wait long. The truck pulled up next to her. She holds onto the door as she pleads her case. She told its driver that she was cold. Not true. And scared. Not true. And that she couldn't remember who she was. True. And would he help her? And possibly take her to the next town. We see a kindly looking truck driver. He looks to be in his late 40s, early 50s. He's got a mustache. He's holding onto the wheel and giving a big smile. Hells yeah, I'll help you. Hop in. I'll get my heater going. The two of them now in the truck. The caption reads, Except he didn't want to help her. Not really. She could sense that immediately. The trucker says, You're lucky I caught you. This time of night, not many rigs on the road. You could have been out there twiddling your thumbs till hell froze over. So, she decided to amuse herself. A close-up shot of the two sitting in the truck together. Madame Satan in the foreground. The trucker in the background. Madame Satan. You've done this before, haven't you? Many times, in fact. He pauses. Picked up pretty girls? Give them rides? Sure. The panel pans out. She looks over to him. No, I mean, after you've picked them up. What you're secretly fantasizing about right now? What you're planning to do with me at the next turnoff? Or behind some motel? How many women have you done that to? Do you even know? The trucker looks stern. I... Lady, I have no clue what you're talking about. I'm just trying to be nice. Now a shot of Madame Satan sitting in her seat. She is surrounded by tormented spirits of women. Screeching. Clawing at the windows. They seem to be of all ages. One's a little girl that sits right next to Madame Satan. She says, matter-of-factly, 47 women. In the last three years. They're all with you, you know. They travel with you. 
They're telling me how much you hurt them. They're asking me to do the same to you. The trucker looks scared. We see, cast over his face, a shadow of long claws. What? What the fuck are you? We now see Madam Satan driving the truck. This trucker with his face slashed open. Blood dripping down his eyes. Looks almost like he's smiling, really. Caption. The good thing was, Madam Satan remembered how to drive from her old life. More than that, she relished it. Especially on nights when the air was cool and the moon was high. We see the truck driving down that lonely road. We now see the truck pulled over. Madam Satan wanders into the woods, now in a white dress, a brown cloak with the hood up. The hood is trimmed in white. The caption, Which intuition guided her north to the devil's favorite part of the country? New England, Massachusetts. She stopped by a women's shelter and clothed herself, though when she walked back into the forest, she was barefoot, as custom demanded. The trees around her were hanging trees. They were ancient. They collected secrets. She asked them to tell her one. Pretty, pretty please? As she walks, the ghostly images of naked legs dangling from the trees surround her. It seems every tree has a body hanging on it. Some are rotten down to the skeletons. Others seem relatively fresh. Some have their hands tied behind their backs. The wind in the trees' branches whispered the names of a town, not far from where the trials had happened. West. Bridge. The wind said. Once there, it didn't take Madame Long to find him. And we indeed see the tree that Edward Spellman is trapped within by the witch's council. His face stretched along its surface. She says, Edward! Edward! That was his name. She remembered it at last. Tree trapping a witch as potent as Edward. That was no easy feat. Madam Satan hugs the tree warmly. Oh, my Edward. Oh, my beloved. The spell must have been cast by someone extremely powerful. Or else, by many witches. Perhaps an entire coven working in tandem. Madam was powerful. Very powerful. The trees belonged to her. And she to them. She started to recite a spell that would coax this particular oak into giving up Edward's bones so she could attempt a resurrection. We see from a bird's eye view, no pun intended, a crow has landed on the tree branch of the tree Edward is trapped in. As Madam Satan pulls down her hood, close-up shot of the crow. But then, a crow in the tree's branches cawed overhead, reminding Madam of her favorite writer, and how she and Edward used to walk along the beaches, and he would recite Annabel Lee to her. We see his flashback shot. Edward and whoever Madam Satan was in life walk hand in hand. Edward says, It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea. A close-up shot of Madam Satan, her fingers curled, casting a spell, her body surrounded by magic, those fetal baby skulls like saucers in her eyes. Caption, 
which in turn reminded Madame of what Edward had done to her. How he'd betrayed her, she says. Diana. That was the harlot's name. So instead, she summoned Hellfire up from the pit. Madame Satan, her arms outstretched, the force of the blast blowing her dress and cape in the wind. The tree erupts into fire. The crow that sat on the branch is reduced to a skeleton and basked in the fire's heat and sucked in that smell, that glorious late October smell of lit autumn fires. Her other favorite writer, Mr. Bradbury, was correct. It was a pleasure to burn. We now see a small panel of just her hands cupping the ashes from the burnt tree. The caption reads, Hours later, she sifted through the cinders from where the tree had stood for over a century and whispered a finding spell into them and blew the still hot embers into the air. Indeed, she does. The wind carries this ash up into the sky. Now, Madame Satan flying through the air, her hood down, her cape billowing in the wind, her hair just as wild. Madame Satan followed them along the wind like will-o'-the-wisp. Nights like this one, she could do almost anything. Nights like this, she could fly like a crow herself. The embers took her exactly where she needed to go, the Hearthstone Clinic, to have a long, overdue conversation. We see Madame Satan touch down, daintily in a way, looking almost like a ballerina dancing. She now stands at the receptionist's desk. A red-headed nurse sits in her chair, reading a book, looking up to her. Madame Satan. Good afternoon. I'm here to visit Diana. Diana Spellman, I believe is the surname. The nurse. Certainly. Are you related to Miss Spellman? According to our files, visiting privileges are restricted solely to family members. A shot of Madame Satan. Her guise down. We can see her cadaverous face and those strange fetal skulls for eyes. Casting a suggestion spell, likely. In that case, you're treating me as though I were that harlot's long-lost sister. The nurse, looking up confused. Huh? Madame Satan's face, now transitioning back to her beautiful, stolen face. You've heard so much about me. The nurse now convinced. Oh, yes, of course. Miss Spellman has told us so much about you. Very nice to meet you. Come right this way. Madame Satan standing there, looking sinister. The last of her guys formed across her face. She looks normal again. There's only trails of black mist swirling her head. The nurse and Madame Satan stand out into the yard. Various patients, some in wheelchairs, all in white, some wearing bathrobes, most just frolicking and enjoying outside, seem to pay the two no mind. The nurse. This time of day, most of our residents are outside in the Rose Garden, taking some sun. Madam Satan. How lucky for them. Caption. Of course, Madam was thinking about Jehenna, and how, in that city of darkness, there was no respite from the suffering ever. The nurse. Here we are. 
Um, just to prepare you, Diana's had a rough few years. She was never lucid exactly, but after Mr. Spellman stopped visiting her, well, I don't want you to be shocked. A close-up of Madame Satan. Oh no. We see Diana in a wheelchair. Her shaved head, now back to its normal long blonde. Her face is heavily scarred, almost like she's wearing an ill-fitting Halloween mask. It droops and is frozen, like her jaw's been wired shut. Madame Satan stands with her arms crossed, the nurse with her arms behind her back. I'm incapable of being shocked, nurse. Good afternoon, Diana. You're looking well. Diana tries to speak, but can't. Her teeth are clenched. Uh, uh? Madame Satan, her guise dropped again. Her ghoulish face looks to the nurse. You'll excuse yourself now. The nurse, I'll let you two be. Madame, ta-ta. Her face still cadaverous, ghoulish. Diana doesn't seem to notice. Huh? Huh? The nurse now walking back to the institute. Madame Satan, taking control of Diana's wheelchair, pushes her along. She looks cheerful and says, Not to worry, dear Diana. I'll do the talking. She pushes Diana's wheelchair across the field. Imagine a place with no light and no warmth, no love and no hope. A place of confusion and suffering and fear. A place from which there is no escape. A place that makes you crave death. Diana looks shocked as she listens. Madame whispers in her ear. You're probably thinking, she's talking about hell. And do you know what? I am. Not literal hell, mind you. Maestro Alighieri's Inferno. But where I found myself, one day, some years ago, back when I was alive. We're now in a flashback. The panels floating on a white page are now panels floating on a black page. We see Edward and Madame, both alive, walking through a zoo. It's the afternoon. There's a lot of people around. She narrates. It was a Sunday. Edward had arranged an outing to the zoo, which was silly, but also romantic. I wondered if he was looking for a new familiar to replace Nicholas, who'd passed recently. The two on the Ferris wheel, both riding white carved horses. We ate popcorn and rode the zoo's carousel. He wanted to tell me something. I could feel it. In my naivete, yes, I was naive once, I believed Edward was getting ready to ask me to marry him. Back to the present, indicated by a white outline on the panels. Madame Satan now sits at a wood bench near a hedge maze just outside the mental institution. She says, but no, that wasn't it at all. Back to the past, Edward and... Madam are watching monkeys play in a cage. Edward. The thing of it is, Iola. Back to the present. Madam remembers her name. Ah, my name. Iola. Yes, that's right. Back to the past. Edward. The thing of it is, Iola. I've met someone. That, that moment was true hell. The young Iola speaks. You? Who? Edward saying matter-of-factly with his hands clasped in front of his waist. It doesn't matter. Iola cuts him off. Oh, but it does. Who, Edward? Her name's Diana. Diana Sawyer. A close-up of Iola looking angry. Diana? She's not part of our church, then? Not one of our coven? 
Edward. No, not at all. She's a mortal. Iola, now so shocked that her hands in front of her mouth. A mortal? The, the council won't allow it, Edward. Witches consorting with mortals? It's expressly forbidden. A close-up of Edward. He has his eyes closed. He's looking down. I've spoken to the council already. And though it is unorthodox, they're willing to make an exception. They understand. I need a vessel. A close-up. Iola, looking incredulous. A vessel? You cad, you. You plan to have children with her? Edward. One, at least. One's all I need. Iola, so shocked, both hands are up in front of her face, her eyes wide. She just says, Blasphemy. Back to the present. Madam. The dagger in my heart was... I would have given Edward anything he asked of me. But he didn't want me. He wanted you. So, as I saw it, I had no choice. Now, back to the past. A portal opens within a lion's den at the zoo. And stepping out into it, Iola. I transported myself into the zoo's lion pen right before feeding time, and embraced a swift, if painful, and bloody demise. She stands, eyes closed, head tilted skyward, her arms outstretched almost as if she's in a cruciform, as the lions, two males and one female, pounce her all at once. The second panel, she is being torn apart. One of the lions bites down on her head and neck, a geyser of blood spurting forth. Another one of the lions pulls her leg right out of the socket below the knee. We can see the bone and flesh torn and blood spilling out. I did it to embarrass Edward, or perhaps to make him feel guilty. One last, grand, ultimately pathetic gesture. Back to the present, a close-up of Madame Satan. She looks sad. I thought that would be the end of it. The end of me. But it wasn't. I found myself in the pits of Jehina, in that particular circle of hell reserved for suicides, faceless, wondering what I would do to you and Edward if I ever made it back to the mortal plane. When we do see her, her face torn out, she is nude as she was when she arrived on Earth, we see the floor of this pit is literally covered with the bones of the dead. One person hanging, they look like they're still alive, but bisected, their entrails dangling down to the bones. Another person, a male, hung upside down, his crotch completely covered in blood, his throat slit, his hands tied behind his back. Back to the present, Madam Satan, looking towards Diana. And now, several turns of the screw later, here we are, and I'm looking at you, Diana, and I'm wondering. She's looking down at Diana while Diana looks up at her from her wheelchair. How did you end up here in this asylum? Did Edward's plans of happily ever after run afoul? Did he wrong you too? Diana speaks. <laughs> Madam, looking sly, pointing right at her. Yes, I thought so. Men, the terrible beasts, aren't they? She leans down to Diana, touching the woman's chin. I think... Perhaps you've been punished enough, Diana. I think perhaps the only gift I should give you is mercy. She caresses Diana's cheek. Diana looks 
surprised. It's not clear if Diana can really understand her or if whatever Edward did to her mind has left her too broken. Madam Satan now walks away from Diana, singing. When I grew up and fell in love, I asked my sweetheart, what lies ahead? Will we have rainbows day after day? She pauses and brings a hand up to her mouth. She then turns. Now a panel of Madame Satan completely in shadows, except for her eyes, which are white. Her hands on her hips. She says, Change my mind. If I know Edward, and I did, he made arrangements so that you'd never leave this place. So why shouldn't you spend every single waking moment aware of your surroundings? Remembering who put you here? Close-up shot of Diana's face while she says this. Now, a shot of Madame Satan. Her guise dropped to that zombified face, her claw-like hands reaching out to the panel. And what you did to deserve it. Which means the dark gift I'm giving you is... A slit panel. Diana's stunned face. Madame Satan has simply touched the center of Diana's forehead with her middle and index finger. Clarity. Diana mumbles. Uh, Diana now, practically falling out of her wheelchair, while Madame Satan stands in the foreground, putting on white gloves. She has a smug look of satisfaction on her face. Not yet, but soon. And good luck trying to convince your doctors here that you should be released. She continues to sing her song. Here's what my sweetheart said. Que sera, sera. Madam Satan now, walking past the front desk. The nurse. Leaving us so soon? Madam. Yes, it's too, too crushing to see Diana this way. Thank you for taking care of her, nurse. Close-up of the nurse. Our pleasure. Oh, by the way, how's Sabrina doing? She stops, quirks a brow, and gives the nurse a side-eye. Who's this now? Madam Satan walks back to the desk. Mrs. Spellman's daughter, Sabrina. We haven't seen her in ages, but she's listed as an ex-akin. Really? In brackets, which I think might be an inner monologue. So that did happen. Diana gave Edward a child. She says out loud. And where might this Sabrina be? The nurse. Under the care of Mr. Spellman's sisters, I believe. She'd be... Oh, Lord. A teenager now. Madam Satan. A close-up. The panel is black and it's got this colored lightning bolt effect around it. It's really cool. And it's at a Dutch tilt, so she's coming in at an angle. You wouldn't happen to know where they were living, would you? We now have an establishing shot of Greendale, Sabrina's hometown. The ghostly eyes of Madame Satan linger in the skyline. Caption, Greendale, the present. That is, October 1966. We have Sabrina Spellman and Harvey Kinkle. He's dressed in his football uniform. She dressed as a cheerleader. She's got her hand wrapped around his arm and they're looking at each other lovingly. Caption, it's the week before Sabrina Spellman's 16th birthday and a strange wind is blowing through Greendale. Harvey and Sabrina are sitting on the bleachers. Sabrina is sitting between Harvey's legs, her back to his stomach. She cranes her neck up and he bends down and they kiss. In California, they call these winds the Santa Anas. But here, in the old part of the country, they call it Witch Wind, or 
devil's wind. It's been blowing all week, making it feel like anything might happen. Caption, Monday night. We see Madam Satan walking through the streets of Greendale. A wind blows leaves past her. The caption reads, Buddy's Pub is Greendale's only bar down by the train tracks. A woman no one has ever seen before stomps in for a drink. Inside the bar, Madam Satan sits down. She sips a small drink. Looks like a cocktail. Two men, about mid-forties each, each holding a beer, sit on either side of her, leering. Caption. Two men offer to pay for it. The woman smiles and suggests they might fight each other for the honor. Madam Satan walks out of the bar after she's finished her drink. We see one of the men with a stool over his head, about to smash another who has his hands up defensively. And, not five minutes later, the woman, drink consumed, continues on her way, while the smaller of the two men, Martin Coleslaw, lies dying in a pool of his own blood. He's been bottled, a smashed beer bottle lodged deep into his neck, spurting blood in all directions. It's still night in Greendale. Madam Satan walks across the train tracks. Caption, Madam would have lapped the blood up. She wanted to. But there would be other opportunities soon. Soon the streets of Greendale would be flooded with blood. Now crossing the train tracks, a train buzzes past her. The train whistles along the tracks in front of Buddy's. The witch wind is blowing hard tonight. And above her bed, in the house across from the cemetery, Sabrina Spellman is having a nightmare. We see Sabrina asleep in her bed actually floating above it in white pajamas. Now, in Sabrina's nightmare, we see her running through those deep, dark woods that her mother carried her through as a baby. The caption. In it, she's running through the dark woods, a slash panel of her hiding behind a tree. She walks forward, and behind her, the ethereal, ghostly image of a woman is stalking her. A woman is chasing her. Then, in that odd way dream logic works, Sabrina realizes she knows the woman. So she stops running and turns to her. Sabrina, one hand leaning on a tree, the other fist clenched by her side. Mom? Mommy? We see Diana hugging a tree and leaning to the other side. Oh, baby. Oh, Sabrina. I tried to protect you. A close-up shot of Sabrina. She looks sad. From what, Mom? From your father... From his sisters? And now she's coming for you. Sabrina. Who is? Oh, Mommy, I miss you so much. A close-up of Diana. She's ethereal. She is translucent. You can almost see trees behind her. Through her. The devil's concubine. And the queen of hell. She wants to bathe in your blood, Sabrina. Who does? Rosalind? No, not Rosalind. Though, be careful of her. She's not what she seems. No, your father's first love. Her name is... Just as Diana was about to say the name, strange, rooted arms from the trees themselves cover her mouth. She can't speak. She mumbles something. We're now back at Westbridge. An orderly is struggling to keep Diana calm. A guard is next to him. The front desk nurse is preparing a shot to sedate her. Caption, back in Westbridge, Diana Spellman has regained consciousness. Diana, witches! They're witches and they want my baby! Nurse, hold us still, damn it, so I can sedate her! Sabrina waking up. She is now falling back down to her bed, literally. 
as her daughter Sabrina startles awake to the sound of a tree branch banging against her window. Sabrina now, in her white pajamas, looking out the window. Outside, we see a gnarled black tree in the night. By the time she transmorgifies the branch into creeping vines, the nightmare is fading. She was in a forest, maybe? There was a woman trying to tell her something? Sabrina now getting back in bed. Doesn't matter. She's got a big week coming up. Tryouts for Bye Bye Birdie. Then, of course, her 16th birthday on Halloween. Lots for a teen witch to sort through before that. Sabrina closing her eyes, going back to sleep. Should she be baptized and accept the Dark Lord's final blessing? Or should she go to the pep rally and after party with Harvey? Sabrina Spellman falls back to sleep to the sound of wind and ivy brushing against her window pane, and doesn't even remember she had a nightmare the next morning at breakfast. Not even when. Salem. Unacceptable. Hilda. What is? Close-up of Salem. The cat, mind you. Milk spoiled. Blech. Ambrose. Sabrina's cousin. Reaching down to pet Salem. You say that every morning. Honestly, Salem. All cats are divas, but... Zelda. No, he's right. It has turned. I smell it in my tea. Hilda. Well, that's never a good sign. Sour milk. Always an ill omen. Hilda now using telepathy to float the milk towards her, she pulls down her glasses to read the date. Let me check the sell-by date. Zelda looking up from her newspaper. Well, your omen's late, Hilda. According to the Gazette, there was a brawl and murder at Buddy's pub last night. Some drifter named Martin Coleslaw was stabbed. Hilda. At Buddy's? Oh dear. You see? Never fails. Zelda. I wonder if we'll get the body. Save on groceries this month. Now everyone's sitting at the breakfast table. Ambrose and Sabrina have a telepathic conversation. Ambrose. Sabrina? You're quiet, cuz. Is it that you won't be having any of your precious frosties this morning? Or is it your aunt's continual and oh-so-banal references to cannibalism? Sabrina. For the millionth time, they're called frosted flakes in this country, Ambrose. And no, I just... I had a dream last night. It's on the tip of my brain. Hilda, you'd remember if you kept a dream journal by your bed. Zelda, and for the sake of the nine circles, children, if you're going to communicate via telepathy at the breakfast table, at least be quiet about it. There's not much light in the morning, I'm afraid. We are now back to Madame Satan. She's standing in a bedroom. An elderly woman stands behind her. The elderly woman. Not much light at all. Since this room's in the back of the house. Madam. Oh, that's all right. I enjoy a dark room. As long as it's quiet and private, and I won't be disturbed. And has a window. I'll need a window. The woman. You have at it. And look-see, your own bathroom. Mr. Linden's down the hall, but he's deaf, poor soul. I doubt you'll ever see him. Madam. Music to my ears. I'll take it. First and last month's rent? I prefer cash, but I'll accept a personal check. Close-up of the old woman as she smiles. And how long will you be staying in Greendale? Close-up of Madam. Why, as long as it takes. Uh, now tell me, is it just the one high school in town? A shot of Baxter High School. Go Ravens, the sign says. The caption, Baxter High, 3.30 p.m. We have Sabrina standing on stage, someone behind her on a piano. She's wearing a nice yellow dress. Caption, the auditorium. Sabrina. For my addition, Miss Gardena, I'll be performing Anne Margaret's iconic number, the title song. Miss Gardena, in the audience, looking suspicious. 
That's a rather unexpected choice, Sabrina. Rosalind, to her friend. Well, sure. It isn't even in the musical. They just wrote it for the GD movie. Her friend. Forget unexpected, Rossi. It's a bad choice. No one's ever going to be able to do it better than Anne-Margaret. And Sabrina sings Bye Bye Birdie, a horrendous song. But here goes. Bye bye birdie. I'm gonna miss you so. Bye bye birdie. Why'd you have to go? Caption. The week before. The Beverly Hills Hotel. We see Sabrina in a white bikini. And next to her, star of stage and screen, Anne Margaret. She's wearing sunglasses and a yellow bathing suit. Anne Margaret says, I just like the addition of Anne Margaret. It's pretty good. Well, of course you can sing it, Sabrina. I'd be honored. You know, I made them write that song for me when I agreed to do the movie. It wasn't even in the original musical. Sabrina looking over with sunglasses. In the foreground, it's just Anne Margaret's breasts. Like, I can't, I can't with this panel. Like, it is just Anne Margaret's breasts, and on the other side of her breasts is Sabrina. Sabrina says, Well, uh, my boyfriend Harvey's auditioning. Actually, he's more of a shoo-in than I am. Anne Margaret, tipping her sunglasses down, looks over at Sabrina. Oh, you'll get it. I know you will. I'll show you a few tricks. But first, tell me how your aunts are. I haven't seen Hilda and Zelda in eons. Since that Sabbath in 1962? In Vegas? Oh, we had such a ball. That's right. And Margaret's a witch. I knew it all along. And we're back. Sabrina singing her little heart out. No more sunshine. It's followed you away. I'll cry, birdie, till you're home to stay. I'll miss the way you smile, as though it's just for me. And each and every night, I'll write you faithfully. Bye-bye, birdie. It's awful hard to bear. Bye-bye, that's it I've noticed that Roberto likes to write a lot of music into his books which is cool just makes me have to sing while Sabrina's singing Harvey is watching from the wings caption no one notices the crow with the wet feathers perched on a seat in the last row of the auditorium taking in the show and we do see a crow sitting there on one of the seats the back of one of the seats no one sees it fly out an open window, over and across the town of Greendale, riding the witch wind. The crow flies over Sabrina's house, passing silently over the house across from the cemetery, in which Hilda and Zelda Spellman prepare the body of murder victim Martin Kozlov for salt curing, before alighting finally on its mistress's windowsill. The crow. I found him, madam. Just what you said. It was an honor to be given a second chance, thought Martin Kozlov. To be chosen to be served as a witch's familiar. Close-up of the crow. Martin. And if you don't mind me saying so, she's not half the woman you are, madam. Madam Satan looking in the mirror, applying beauty products to her face. Well, her actual ghoulish, cadaverous face. Her human face, the one that she uses to hide herself with, is on one of those styrofoam mannequin heads, pinned to it. Madam. Of that I'm certain, Martin. Now, tell me everything you saw. And the crow 
who up until last night had been Martin Coleslaw, does. He tells his mistress about Sabrina, and her cousin Ambrose, and Harvey Kinkle, and Rosalind, and the drama club's moderator, Evelyn Gardina. And, much to her surprise, Madame Satan finds herself smiling. Between Martin's report and what that loose-lipped landlady had told her, Madame knew exactly what she should do, and where she should go next. Caption The Jewel, Greendale's Movie Playhouse. They're doing a Veronica Lake double feature, The Glass Key, and I Married a Witch. We see Evelyn Gardina buying a ticket at the Playhouse. Caption Where every Tuesday night, Evelyn Gardina, who teaches drama and choir at Baxter High, takes herself on a date. One, please. We see Mrs. Gardina walking to take her seat in the theater, holding a small white handbag. Old-time Hollywood romances are her favorite, most likely because she's never been married. In truth, she's never even kissed a man, though she dreams of it almost every night. She always sits one seat in from the aisle, in case a handsome stranger should come in late after the show's begun, looking for some welcoming place. Horror movies are her least favorite. She lives alone, and sometimes on stormy or windy nights like tonight, it doesn't pay to have seen a double bill of Frankenstein and Dracula. From off-panel, madam. Pardon me, would you mind if I joined you? The woman looks like a movie star to Evelyn's lonely, tired eyes. A starlet of the silent screen. Like Marlene Dietrich. Of, of course, please do. What I wouldn't give to look like that, Evelyn wishes. We see the two women in silhouette. On screen, a man and woman kiss passionately. The two women chat whispering like teenagers almost. About this, about that, the weather, the wind, moving to a new town. How hard it can be to meet people. By the time the movie ends, they're fast friends. And when Madame sneezes on their way out, Miss Gardina hands her a handkerchief. Madame says, Thank you, Evelyn, ever so much. Not at all, and keep it. I have plenty more at home. We now cut to Evelyn, a candle lit. She's in her nightgown. She's holding the handkerchief Miss Gardena handed her, her true face exposed. Black swirls of energy dance around her. She looks positively possessed. On the ground is a pentagram. The caption, Madam needs her too. Madam, into the handkerchief. Sleep. We see Evelyn in her bedroom, fast asleep. And so, Evelyn does. This windswept night, Evelyn Gardena slips into a sleep from which she will never wake, and dreams for the rest of her life of being a movie star. She's co-starring in a movie musical with Anne Margaret, kissing Montgomery Cliff. Establishing shot, we are back at Baxter High. Kids busying about the hallway. We see Sabrina leaning on her locker, while Harvey, with one arm resting on the locker behind her, leans into her. Caption, Wednesday morning. All the students at Baxter High are gossiping about it. How their favorite teacher, Miss Gardena, had a stroke during the night and was now in a coma at Greendale General. They're all wondering when she'll wake up. If there's anything they can do. Who will take over her classes? Not to mention stewardship of the drama club. Now an interior shot of the classroom, Sabrina reading a book. By eighth period, at least one of those questions is being answered. Off panel. Good afternoon, class. Standing there in a sharp white blazer skirt combo with glasses, her hair tied back, is Madame Satan. 
She's writing on the blackboard. Miss Porter, Madam Satan. I realize how upset you all must be. It's tragic what happened to Evelyn. But I promise we'll get through it together. Rosalind. Um, okay, but who are you? Standing facing the class, hand on her hip, one hand up, holding the chalk that she was writing her name with. I'm sorry, I've gotten ahead of myself. My name's Evangeline Porter, class. And for the foreseeable future, I'm your new teacher. And a close-up of Sabrina, the book she's reading, the Truman Capote classic, In Cold Blood. Caption. Next. The Baptism. And that is gonna do it for issue two of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Hope you guys enjoyed that. I certainly did. But we'll see you guys next week. I am your horror host. Now and forever, even beyond the grave, Wes Dead Air Night, and you've been listening to Panels of Blood.